Hi, and a warm welcome. My name is Sherigim, the host of CCL's More Than Packages podcast. This is episode three, and in this episode, we speak about a very specialized topic, which is of huge interest to CCL audience and our customer base, namely overseas UK VAT registration. I am pleased to welcome on the show two heavyweights in this area. Firstly, our own Chief Operating Officer, Stuart Campy, and secondly, the VAT expert himself, Sean King from King's VAT. Sean has decades of experience in this area and was keen to share with us the thinking behind the CCL collaboration to help overseas companies register for VAT in the UK. This is very informative and insightful episode, so please listen carefully. Be warned, you may need to take notes. Enjoy. We're extremely lucky to have some extra, um, some special guests on the show. We've got Sean King from King VAT, and we've got Stuart Campy from CCL joining the podcast to have a discussion around VAT and uh, the new legislation for for Brexit in 2021. So, without further ado. Can uh, Stu? Can I get you to introduce yourself to to the listeners? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, as I say, my name's Stuart. I'm the uh, COO here at CCL. Uh, I've been here for about seven years, uh, but I've been involved in sort of logistics and imports and exports uh, for most of my life since uh, leaving school. So I've got a fair amount of uh, experience in it. Obviously, with uh, with the new legislations and things happening next year, it's all fairly new to everybody. So it's been a bit of a learning curve over the last couple of years really getting ourselves up to up to speed to get ready for the for the changes coming um and one of those is obviously uh, and the reason for the podcast is the main bat changes that, were, that are coming which is why we've uh, we've lucky to also have uh, sean here from king's bat uh so sean i think a little intro from you perhaps okay uh thank you very much Stuart. Yeah, hello there. Um, yeah, as Stuart said, I've been involved in VAT for my sins for over 40 years. Um, I first started off working with what was the old Customs and Excise in the UK, and now Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC. Um, over that period of time, I've worked uh, all over Europe with businesses, with big four accounting firms, uh, and then I worked with a specialist uh, European VAT firm, where I spent most of my time advising large multinational companies on VAT implications across the whole of the EU. About 10 years ago, I decided that really the UK market wasn't being well served by VAT professionals in respect of uh, undertakings with European business, uh, especially inbound business into Europe, uh, from uh, mainly the USA and uh, China. So I set up King's VAT Limited. Um, since that date, we've gone from strength to strength. Um, we advise many companies, both UK, EU, and non-EU companies. Um, and obviously, hence the reason I'm here today to try and give some insight into uh, what the changes are that are going to happen fairly soon. That's great. Thank, thank you, uh, thank you guys for the intro um, and some really interesting background. Um, from, for both of you. So without, um, should we get stuck into, um, there's quite a bit to, to talk about, um, guys. Uh, so if I can ask um, you, Sean, um, I understand the VAT, the VAT rules relating to imported goods 
will change on January the 1st. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, I think really there's, there's two strands to this. Um, the first thing is that um, the EU, of which the UK is still part of at the moment, um, had been doing a fundamental review of the way e-commerce uh, was being undertaken across the whole of the EU and had ideas about how they were going to change the VAT system. Now, as the UK is due to leave the EU, the, the famous Brexit on the 1st of January, what the UK has done is it's taken the opportunity to bring forward some of the ideas that the EU had um, about accounting for um, VAT on um, e-commerce imported goods into the UK. And in addition, it's also taken the opportunity to look at how VAT has been accounted for currently on imported goods. And it's tried to lessen the financial impact uh, on uh, importers of goods into the UK by undertaking some major changes to the VAT accounting. I guess um, you know, one of the key differences, if you think right now at the moment before these changes, uh, there's a couple of main things that happen. Uh, so currently between naught and £15 worth of value, there's a waiver in the UK for import VAT. Uh, so you don't actually have to pay any VAT or any duty on goods that are between naught and 15 And for the longest, uh, as I can remember, uh, customs have always wanted to try and get that down to zero. And now they've finally managed to do that. And on the 1st of January, anything coming into the UK, if it's a penny and above, will have VAT on. So that's a, a massive uh, change to the current thing that we do at the moment. Uh, I think linked in with that, you know, at the moment when the goods come in through the door, we pay the import back upon importation. The second the freight arrives, we have to pay the VAT out, whether it's on a deferment or on a FAS, HMRC, get the money straight away. And I think with the changes from uh, it moving, that there's going to be VAT collectible from north onwards. They recognise that there's going to be a substantial amount that needs to be collected at the border. And so one of the things they've done, uh, again, from the 1st of January, is moved the... Uh, banding from naught to 135 VAT to supply VAT rather than import VAT, which means that from naught to 135, there essentially is no import VAT. So when the goods come in as a, as a broker, if you like, we don't actually have to pay any import VAT for goods that are naught to 135 coming into the UK, as long as they're not subject to license or excise or those sorts of things. But your bog standard e-commerce coming in won't have this import VAT. So that then means they switch it to supply VAT, which means the overseas uh, seller is now liable for that supply VAT. So that's a huge change of the way we think about goods coming in, the way we think about how we pay for VAT, and certainly from a day-to-day -day operation, how we change our systems here. Um, unfortunately, we've, we've kind of had an inkling this was going to happen and we're, we're ready for that. But it's trying to get the world at large to, to know that this is is happening um i think that's the main for me operationally the main things that are changing yeah i think picking up on what stuart's just said there i mean there, there are a number of number of things i think hmrc the, the idea that vat now becomes payable on every importate imported goods valued between zero and 15. um yes hmrc have obviously been trying to change that for a number of years but of course, UK business have always been complaining about that because of the inequality of goods being able to be imported at a value of between 0 and 15 without VAT charge 
However, if they were sold the identical goods in the UK for, let's just say, £12.99, then VAT would have to be paid on it. So there was always a a perverse um, disincentive to buy these goods from a retailer in the UK when it was better to go and buy them direct in, shall we say, from um, a supplier outside of um, the EU. And the other thing, of course, is, as Stuart quite rightly says, is this, this idea now that VAT import no longer exists um, for businesses. What, of course, that does mean is that business accounts for it on its VAT return um, using postponed accounting, which just means that effectively it's shown as an in and out on the VAT return for about 99% of business. However, what businesses need to realise from the 1st of January is that no longer they're going to be using a deferment account unless they're paying customs duty. So they need to get rid of their guarantees that they will have at the, at the current time because um, they'll have no requirement for them anymore. And the deferment, the deferment number in the majority of cases will just sit there um, and will be dormant. Yeah, I think a lot of people, that's from uh, something, yeah, even from a day-to-day operational basis we don't see a lot of that post-fat accounting here currently it's not that it's not used but i'd say that a lot of businesses aren't aware of it don't you know don't even know about it and it's something that people should definitely look into to get themselves registered if you've got a VAT number you can get registered for postponed VAT accounting and that just means that typically then for goods over 135 the scheme um, will be in place for post-fat account because over 135 of course nothing changes they still import VAT they still import duty, but you can apply for the post-fat accounting to not have to worry about paying for it upon importation. So that's something that I think is going to come to, to light um, as we go into next year and people start realising that. I think, I think the other thing is that, of course, there is the, um, the, the other side of it as well is that some of this, I mean, we, we talk about this idea that postponed accounting VAT. In a lot of EU countries, they do it already. Um, so it's, it's the norm there. Um, it's just that the UK have always been reluctant to um, change things because of the impact it has on business. So this Brexit now gives them a um, big chance to um, fundamentally review what's going on uh, in the VAT world. Um, and this import really was their, was their major area of concern. And this has now allowed them um, to address uh, the cash flow, uh, the negative cash flow impact for importers. Um, but at the same time, bring into line all retailers of goods from outside the, um, the UK, so as they trade as a, on a level playing field with um, with UK businesses. Of course, I mean the interesting thing with the EU, of course, is that they were originally uh, going to do the same scheme from the first of January, which they've now pushed back to July, I believe. Um, yeah, it has. Yeah, it's called Moss, isn't it? I think it's the. It's um, the yeah, it's it's called it, this. This one's a strange one. It's called IOS, IOSS. Um, but um, effectively, I, I think we'll probably we'll probably talk about that towards the end. I think of this um of this podcast because um that becomes a separate issue for business. But I mean, I mean, both myself and you, Stuart, we we both realise that there's a cert, there's a, a high degree of um should we say um businesses not been um, aware of what the changes are um, and come the 1st of January, then, you know, I think there's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a mess. Um, so hopefully we can give some sort of insight today that allows businesses to go away and think about 
what they should be doing in the next three months because the first of January isn't far away. But certainly, I mean, I, 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 we discovered as you sort of look into the information that's available out there is quite limited. Um, and to actually try and register yourself for, for VAT if you're an overseas seller is, a, is an absolute minefield, which is where, of course, where Kingsback come in because that's what you do. It's your bread and butter day in, day out. And you can make that task very seamless and very easy. So um, definitely would recommend people to be sort of contacting Kingsback to get themselves up and registered for it. Uh, and you know, not only the registration, but taking care of all the other day-to-day -day admin tasks and VAT returns, et cetera, everything you need to do. Yeah, I mean, we we recognised that there is there is um, an area, shall we say, for um, for importers, um, especially those that the retailers and uh, even the people selling through the marketplaces. But the changes are going to be fairly dramatic for some of these people. Um, and one of the biggest problems we find is that um, we take it for granted how the VAT system works um, in the UK. However, people outside the UK find out that their sales tax systems are so different to what we use in the UK. Um, and therefore, there are some major gaps. And we, we sit there um, and try and take away, shall we say, the, the concern um, and also the time they spent by business in order to make sure they comply. Because really what we want to do is make sure that business continues as usual, but that people recognise that there are changes and they can... Um, account of those changes and suffer the impact on their business that's great thanks for sharing that guys so in terms of the businesses that it will affect and the challenges for them so what about um those retailers which we know there are out there that don't use uh, the online marketplace and um, and import goods into the uk how can yeah, I think, um, how what, we're that at, what we're looking at here is just there's, there's two things here really i think I mean, let's just quickly deal with the, the online marketplaces. The, we all know um, the Amazons, the Ebays of this world. And um, what HMRC are doing is they're, they're effectively in, introducing a form of withholding tax, is probably the best way of describing it. What will happen is that if you um, do business through an online marketplace, let's, let's just take off of Amazon because they're probably the biggest in the world. Um, currently, um, Amazon... Uh, charge a customer of their um, of their marketplace the value for the goods, which is including any VAT. So let's try and keep it simple and just say that the, the goods are worth 120 um, being sold by a uh, an American um, company. So 100 of that is for the goods and 20 is for the VAT. So what happens is currently Amazon receive 120 from the customer. They then remit back to the customer the 120 less their charges for the use of the, for the use of the marketplace. The customer, the American company, then accounts for that 20 VAT on a VAT return to HMRC, so long as obviously they are registered for VAT. Um, what will happen from uh, the 1st of January is that no longer will Amazon remit that money back to the American company or the vendor of the goods, Amazon will retain the 20 and they will pay it direct to HMRC. So now what will happen is that the American company that's the vendor of the goods, instead of receiving back 120 less Amazon charges, will now receive back 100 less Amazon charges. So therefore, the accounting for the VAT has moved from effectively 
the um, vendor on the marketplace to Amazon. Um, and that will then mean that those people that are using um, fulfillment by Amazon, which is um, a fairly well-used service provided by the company, um, are registered for VAT in the UK currently um, and remit VAT to HMRC. From the 1st of January, they still remain registered for that. They just don't remit any money to HMRC. All they do is just provide them with the details of the sales value um, that has been made on the, on the marketplace. So that's a big change. That's up to the goods, up to a value of 135, you have 35 pounds. Anything over 135 pounds, Amazon do not have, or the, the online marketplace does not have a responsibility to account for the VAT. The accounting for the VAT reverts back to um, the vendor of the goods. So the vendor of the goods then has to make sure that they account for the VAT correctly. Um, now, that then leads us on to, well, what about all those people who sell goods um, from outside the UK that aren't registered for VAT or have currently a position whereby goods come into the UK, Stuart um, at CCL will clear those goods and they will be subject to VAT at the point of entry. So CCL will pay that VAT and seek recompense back Either from the importer of the, oh, sorry, from the exporter of the goods generally. Um, now that will change because no longer will VAT be charged on goods coming into the UK at a value between zero and 135. What will happen is that any retailer of those goods, regardless of where they are in the world, will be required to be registered for UK VAT if they are selling goods from outside the, U, uh, the UK to customers in the UK at a value of less than £135. Now, the significant thing there is that, as Stuart mentioned earlier, goods value between 0 and 15 at the moment don't have a VAT charge on them. So, in theory, those, the cost of those goods will increase by 20% which may not seem a lot, but if you're selling goods at, let's just try and keep it simple, $14.99, then that's an additional £3 that VAT is going to be accounted for on those goods, taking 15 at 20%. So there is quite a dramatic impact. There is also the other impact, which is that historically people have sometimes tended to send goods over and the customer in the UK becomes responsible for the payment of the VAT and the customs duty, if there is any, in order to allow those goods to be delivered to them. That will no longer exist. The goods essentially have got to enter the UK tax paid. So that then means that we have all the retailers um, around the world selling into the UK now need to be registered for VAT. So we've got between now and effectively, in theory, the 1st of January, but I'm sure it's going to be a lot later than that, all these people to be registered for VAT, they then need to look at obviously their pricing because their pricing is going to have to reflect the fact that they are going to have to account for 20% VAT to HMRC. So they need to build that into their pricing model. Um, in addition, of course, with some people, they also may need to make sure, for example, that they're not paying VAT when they 
sorry, they're not paying VAT when they think they should be paying VAT. For example, if you're importing in um, printed matter, in the majority of cases, printed matter is zero. But being that it's zero, there is still a requirement at first instance to notify HMRC that you need to be registered for VAT. Um, and then there are various ways that it can be dealt with, and we're more than happy at that point to um, to help the business. So, sort of in recap, that what we're looking at here is anything between zero and one three five pounds, which is being imported into the UK for delivery to a private customer outside of an online marketplace, now becomes subject to the vendor of those goods being registered for VAT and accounting for VAT. If the goods are valued at between zero and 135 and are sold by the online marketplace, then the online marketplace will retain the VAT on behalf of HMRC and will account for that VAT to HMRC. The question then of the vendor having to be registered or not depends on the exact circumstances of where those goods are when they are um, delivered to the customer. Um, and obviously, we're more than happy to discuss that with people and advise them on how it works. So that's really big changes there. That's, that brings in everybody who, in the current times, instructs CCL to clear their goods and pay the VAT at import. It brings all of those into the back net in their own name and no longer just a bulk payment, a one-off payment to HMRC. So as I say, that's 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 a big change. Stuart, is there anything you'd like to add to that? No, it's just, you know, it's going to impact every single business that imports into the UK. I mean, fundamentally, if you're a business that um, sends material that's over £135, then, okay, you know what? There's not actually going to be any differences. You, your life will carry on exactly as, as it is today. But as we know in the e-com world, I think you know the average sale price in e-commerce is around fifty pounds, I believe. So you know that's a, millions and millions of parcels that come in every day that are at that value. And in fact, it doesn't matter which method you use to bring into the UK; these rules affect everybody. So every type of business that you can imagine that is involved in importing into the UK and selling goods to, to private individuals, to even to, to businesses, is all going to be affected. And they really need to think about. Uh, the changes on January the 1st and getting themselves registered for, for VAT. Yeah, as you say, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't emphasise enough that it might seem January the 1st is a long way away, but it isn't at all because you need to get geared up. As I say, you, that's the, the vendor, needs to get geared up. They need to uh, make sure they're registered. They need to make sure they understand how the VAT system works in the UK they need to understand how the reporting system works in the UK. They need to review their pricing. Um, so some big things that need to go on in a relatively short space of time, because, you know, we all know, I mean, Christmas will take out two weeks, um, two weeks of December. So we're, we're not left with a lot. We're probably left with something like about eight, <coughs> eight to ten weeks. In which to get the, the worry is... Trend, if you think, from conversations I've had with, with clients and agents, is that there's a constant theme of, well, you know, is, is it really going to happen? You know, is, is Brexit going to happen? I think because there's been so many false calls before, there's a, a, this 
yeah, this general apathy about it that it's going to, you know, we'll get a deal and everything's going to be okay. I think there's a few things to sort of realise that that the legislation for for naught to fifteen that's got that's done. It's law. January the first, there will definitely be VAT on goods naught to fifteen. That's that's not going to change. That was always the case. Brexit, no Brexit deal, no deal. That was something that was always going to happen. If there there is a deal and there are free trade agreements, we don't know what they're going to look like. We don't, you know, there's an extremely high chance that customs entries will still need to be done, be they simplified or not simplified. And I think that people should, you know, look, at the end of the day, if you register for that and this whole thing suddenly turns around and they say, oh, we're going to extend it for for two years, for five years, it doesn't matter. You, You register. It's no harm in getting ready and getting yourself ready. The reality is, my belief is that even if there is a delay, it's only going to be for six months if that happens at all to be in line with the, the EU. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you see, I, I would say that Brexit is different in a lot of ways to the back that is happening at import because Brexit is only going to look at our trading with, our, with the EU. So, you know, whatever happens there will happen. What we're looking at is the first part of that, which is outside the control of the EU, and it's purely down to the UK. I mean, we've because we are we have effectively left the EU. We left the EU on the first of January this uh, this year. It's just that we went into this transition period of twelve months. So we are responsible. We, being the UK, are responsible for making up our own rules. And what we've done is we. We've looked at it and we've said, okay, fine. What we want to do now is simplify the import process in some part, which we've done with postponed accounting VAT. But secondly, we've also looked at it and said, well, hold on a minute. We've, we've got a leakage of tax revenue um, in the UK, that revenue in the UK, and pressure being put on by UK business to say, we want that level playing field. So we've, we've said, okay, fine, zero to 15 that's going to be the level playing field. So that really doesn't happen. That doesn't matter, I don't think, on what discussions take place with Michel Barnier and the EU and such like, because none of that will affect what we're doing on the, on the importation side, because we can bring the goods in. Once the goods are in, then we've got to worry about what, what happens with Brexit. Um, you know, and that, that becomes the, um, the concern then. So I think that, you know, it will happen. I mean, and the other thing is, will it happen in the form that they're proposing? Um, well, the simple answer is, yeah, because if you think about it, if you don't have this method of, um, shall we say, our, um, our outside the UK companies having to register for VAT if they sell into the UK, then how do we collect that VAT that's due at import? Now, the problem then becomes is that we have, a, as Stuart well knows, a phenomenal amount of business that goes between zero and 15, which suddenly will require an entry and the customs system won't be able to um, deal with it. And not only that, the tax revenue will go up dramatically, one would expect to import. Um, so that then um, would become another problem. So by introducing um, VAT for overseas businesses, we've um, effectively done away with the, the workload um, of the customs import systems uh, number one. Number two is that um, there is more of a visible um, audit trail uh, for the goods because people have said, "Well, if I don't, if I don't comply, what's the worst that can happen?" Well, 
I suppose, you know, there are a number of avenues open to HMRC. I mean, one is they they seize your goods. Um, so that's that's their first thing. So they seize the goods and then they provide you with a figure for restoration of those goods, which will be extremely high, higher than the amount of VAT that was concerned with the importation of those goods. Secondly, um, we know full well that what they would do is they will go back to the business and say, we want details of all the importations you've made uh, since the 1st of January 2021. Um, and they will calculate a VAT that has been underdeclared to which they will add penalties. Um, you know, so those penalties can range from probably 5% up to as high as 30% and the length of time it's elapsed. So that becomes extremely um, expensive as well. So, and how are they going to discover it? Well, it's, it, it, it doesn't take um, a lot because every parcel that comes into the UK now will either have to have one or two things. It will either have to have a VAT invoice within the packaging of the goods or it will have to have an electronically provided, I suppose, copy of the invoice um, provided to the person making the entry so as HMRC can um, review that if they wish. So there's the audit trail so it's not too difficult because all HMRC needs to do is randomly pick out parcels, open the parcel up, see whether there's a VAT invoice in there. If there isn't a VAT invoice there I'll go to Stuart at CCL and say have you got a copy uh, of an electronically provided back invoice. And if he says yes, then that will be fine off it. And if he says no, then we start the process of them um, looking into what's been going on. And of course, you know, if you're not registered, then I'm afraid, it, you know, it can cause a lot of damage to the business, both in financial terms and in, in clearance time terms as well. So it's I also understand, I'm just going to jump in here, Stu and, and, and Sean. So um, I also understand that the EU are proposing changing their VAT system for BTC sales uh, originating from outside the EU. When is it likely to happen and what do you know about these proposed changes? Right. Um, well, Stuart said earlier on, um, this was supposed to happen 1st of January, um, these changes. Um, and this is where the UK has taken the idea. Um, going back um, probably three, four years ago, uh, EU gave notice that they were going to do the, they were going to make changes. Uh, they undertook a review of um, coming into the EU, um, how the tax has been accounted for, and such like. And at that time, when they undertook the review, the UK was a fully integrated member of the EU. But what you have to look at is that the way VAT works in the EU is that if goods are imported and they are sold to a final consumer, in other words, what we call B2C, then the VAT becomes due at the point of entry. So, of course, a lot of the goods that were coming into the EU were coming in through the UK. They were coming in through Gatwick, they were coming in through Heathrow and through some of the ports as well. And they were being cleared and UK VAT was being paid um, at 20%, so the UK Treasury was more than happy. However, because those goods were now in the EU, they could be shipped off anywhere within the EU. So these goods have come in. Their final destination is, let's just say, a customer um, in the Czech Republic. Um, what happens is that UK VAT is paid on those goods, goes to the UK Treasury, um, and that's it. And then the goods finish up in um, the Czech Republic. 
However, the Czech Republic gets none of the VAT. The other thing is that, of course, in the Czech Republic, people who are selling identical goods at maybe an identical value are paying the tax to the Czech Treasury rather than as um, the UK, uh, imported goods are being paid to the UK Treasury. So they realise the inequality of that, and especially because the UK was benefiting dramatically. They undertook the review and they, they came up with the, which is the most sensible idea, is that VAT should accrue essentially where the goods are being consumed. In other words, where the customer is sitting there and physically using them. Because if you think about it, if you're bringing in a pair of uh, what the American would call sneakers, we'll call them trading shoes, whatever, from um, one of the major brands, then at the moment they come in and the VAT gets paid in the UK. But this guy trots around Prague in the Czech Republic in those trainers or the sneakers. But they don't get any benefit of it. So they've now said, let's go to where they're being, being consumed. So they've now said, guys using them in the Czech Republic, the Czech Republic should get the tax. The next problem is, how do you ensure that if there's different points of entry into the EU? So what they come up with is they come up with the, the one-stop shop. Um, and the idea is that from the uh, 1st of July next year, you will have a VAT registration somewhere within the EU. Um, and what will happen is that the naught, as we got naught to 15 in the UK, which is, I think, zero to 22 euros in the EU, will disappear. Same as the naught to 15 has in the UK. So that becomes due on everything. That's the first change. The second change then is that you have to be registered for VAT even if you're just bringing in one penny's worth or one euro's worth of goods into the EU. And the VAT return in whichever member state you designate your VAT registration in, and let's just take, say for the sake of this that the goods are coming in through the Netherlands, you will have a Dutch VAT return, and that Dutch VAT return will have a box for every EU member state. So what happens then is that you import your goods into the Netherlands, onward supply to the Czech Republic. You then work out what the VAT rate is in the Czech Republic, apply that VAT rate to the trainer sneakers that have been brought in from uh, the US. And on your VAT return, you then put against the Czech Republic an amount of VAT that is due. What then happens at uh, some point is that you make your VAT return. Bear in mind here that Although we tend to think of the euro as being the only currency in the EU, there are a number of currencies because a number of countries didn't join the EU. So you'll have a VAT return with a number of currencies on there and a possibility if you're trading across the EU. But you send that tax return off to the, uh, to the Dutch authority. At some point, somewhere, goodness knows how, there will be um, a divvy up between all the member states. So the Dutch will say, we are the Italians... 100,000 euros. The Italians say we owe you 60,000, so there's a net 40,000 to pay. And that is how it will work. So there will be one VAT return that will cover every member state. Now, what businesses now need to think about is where is the best place to be registered for VAT to actually render that VAT return? Um, and obviously, there's a number of considerations there. Um, there is the complexities of the VAT system in a particular member state. 
Um, there is the, um, can we say, the ease of dealing with the tax administration in a particular member state. But currently, we're talking with a number of businesses about where we might want to register for VAT 1st of July um, next year to account for VAT across all those member states. There is another major consideration as well, which is that the back rates across the EU vary um, quite considerably. Um, could be sort of between 20 generally or 19% and about 26, 27%. And I would assume that they will go up even higher at some point when uh, the uh, full ramifications of COVID um, have to be felt and dealt with across the EU. So you've also got to look at pricing. Um, again, because you're going to have to come up, I think, with a price which will be applied. So you need to some sort of pricing with um, some sort of average VAT rate, depending on volumes, depending on the back rate, et cetera, to come up with a weighted um, VAT rate, which you can apply then um, across the, uh, the different member states. That's something else you need to consider as well. Um, so as I say, so that's the 1st of July. We do have this strange situation that between the 1st of January and the 30th of June, UK businesses can actually supply goods in to the EU. Um, and if the goods are less than £15 or the €22, Euros, um, no VAT is chargeable on them. Um, which is a, we go back to being treated as a, an ordinary um, ex, external EU country. We get, we get the same treatment as um, the USA or Canada or China or wherever else it may be. Um, so that is something else to remember. Another thing I should, should say, which is that we're talking here about the UK and uh, effectively imports into the UK. We also need to be aware of the fact that because we leave the EU, these rules apply equally to current members of the EU as they do to anybody else. So if there are businesses in the UK, in the EU trading with the UK currently, then they treat it as within the, uh, within the single market. For the 1st of January, the new rules apply to Dutch retailers, German retailers, whatever. So if they're, if they're selling goods at the moment, at a value of between zero and one three five, they need to be registered in the UK, and they need to be counted for UK back. So that's that. And I would mention for those people who uh, do trade um, within the EU, they are probably aware of a thing called distance selling. Um, distance selling uh, currently is a situation whereby this will make it make it easy. It gets very complicated. Let, let's just say. You're a UK retailer and you're selling across the EU to various different countries. What distance selling says at the moment is that up and depending on which country it is, generally there, there's a rate of about 35 to maybe 70,000 euros, something that's on the region. Each country has its own sort of threshold. But you're allowed to trade up to that level without having to register in that country. So, for example, a UK business can sell up to, let's just say, £25,000 worth of um, goods into France, and it doesn't have to register for VAT in France, and it accounts for UK VAT. But if it triggers the 35000 threshold currently, 
UK business has to be registered for VAT in France. Likewise, any other um, country in the EU. Likewise, any country trading in the UK and all the other member states has to use the same distance selling rules. Those distance selling rules will disappear, obviously, from the 1st of July um, next year, 2021, because we'll have this one-stop shop. So that will all disappear as well. So there's some fairly major changes going to happen in the EU as well. Um, the EU aren't as advanced in notifying their businesses. I mean, they, they've issued various publications, but um, obviously they put it back six months. And I think the reason they put it back six months is because the complexities of having a one uh, back return that covers trading with um, every member state in the EU and problems with um, different tax authorities not having necessarily the IT that can deal with something like that. So that's that's big changes staggered um, in the in the EU. That may, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see that first of July deadline go back maybe another six months. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, the EU have gone very quiet on it at the moment. I think they're just sitting back and waiting to see what happens with Brexit. But, I mean, Brexit won't change that. The only thing that Brexit will do is it will just make the UK a external country for VAT purposes. I can't see that there will be anything within the Brexit negotiations that will allow the UK to be treated as a uh, like any member state in the EU. That makes no sense of leaving in the first place. So I think the back rules will definitely change. UK back rules meant to be the 1st of January this year, the, uh, sorry, the 1st of January next year, and then we'll have the uh, EU back rules coming in probably the 1st of July 2021. So it changes. Definitely some major changes coming in, in place. Um, so, uh, guys, this is going to be the last question. Um, Sean, um, it'd be interesting to understand um, how the collaboration kind of ended up with CCL and how you can help the listeners um, with yeah, the VM. Um, I've worked with um, Rudy Bertie for many, many years, and then Stuart since she's um, joined the company. Uh, so um, we, we've been advising um, CCL on the implications of, of its business acting as customs um, brokers um, and bringing in the, um, and the goods and what um, they should do and how they should be advising um, their clients. Because obviously, you know, at the end of the day, CCL want to make sure that their businesses that are bringing goods in are compliant um, because it causes them... It allows them to clear the goods much easier than if they had problems with um, uh, the customs authorities and border force in the UK. So both myself and Stuart um, have been actively discussing this for the last two or three months and um, realised that this is going to be impact uh, on a lot of worldwide business. Um, so as a result, uh, we at King's back to the decision that we would effectively um, increase our uh, our workforce, shall we say, to allow for us to have a dedicated group of people working solely on dealing with the VAT registration requirements of business and also what we call the compliance, which is rendering the VAT returns and making sure that businesses pay the, uh, the VAT. Because it's one thing having you registered for VAT. Obviously, the second thing is you account for it. So we we go into the uh, role of acting as the um, the agent um, for the uh, shall we call it non-UK company 
which means that we can uh, represent them and we can make the application for their um, VAT registrations on their behalf. And then what we do is we make their uh, quarterly VAT returns. Um, and what happens there is in a, in a process and sort of trying to make it condensed as possible, we ensure we, well, first of all, we determine when the VAT returns are due. Then we will advise the client of when they are due, telling them what information we need. We then prepare the VAT return, submit it on the client's behalf to uh, Revenue and Customs, um, and then advise the client of what needs to be paid to HMRC. Uh, we then make sure that the client does pay it, because one of the problems always is that you may put the return in, but if they don't pay it, then it becomes a problem. And um, in the UK, we have a, a situation whereby you can start off by either making your return late or uh, making a payment late, but you only get so many chances and then you go into a penalty regime. And um, the penalty regime starts increasing um, the more uh, you make um, less, uh, make, uh, shall we say, untimely returns and payments. So we try and make sure we stay on top of that, make sure the client makes the returns and such like. And then invariably we have um, situations whereby HMRC want to launch um, inquiries into the way business have been conducted. Nothing um, suspicious about it. It's always just part of their regular and routine way of um, making sure businesses comply. Um, so we regularly are dealing with HMRC, especially in this, these times of COVID, having to deal with it all remotely, um, providing information and such like, which um, satisfies HMRC that the VAT has been accounted for correctly. I would say the other, the other thing um, that we don't want to miss out on here is that what we do is make sure we advise the client on what information we need. Um, you know, so we're, we're making sure that they're aware of what they need to do, what records they need to retain, and what information they need to give to us so as we can make sure everything's 100% compliant. So we, we've now set up a, a section which is just going to deal solely with that. Um, and this is obviously, at the moment, is, the, is going to be the big thing. Um, making sure that everybody's in into the, um, the VAT registration uh, regime and then secondly making sure they understand what they're doing um, and what their responsibilities are and helping them with that. So that's that's where we come in. So as I say, we, we worked with Stuart and Rudy at CCL, um, you know, on, um, on many different things and we've, we've um, acted as agent for a number of, of their clients that um, import goods and um, Hopefully, we'll continue to do so in the future. Thanks for that, Sean. That's really helpful. Um, so, in terms of the service that you're providing, ideally, what what sort of customer uh, are you are you referring to? Goodness me! I mean, it will it will it will be a cr completely across the board. Um, it will go from a relatively small um, entrepreneur who's um, sending goods to customers in the UK. Uh, it might be of a specialised nature even, you know. I, I've had people, you know, who will um, send goods over there. It's a small family business out on a farm in the middle of nowhere in America. Um, you know, and we, we have them registered up to, um, you know, I've got multinational, uh, sorry, uh, multi, yeah, multinational uh, American incorporated companies trading across the whole of the EU. Um, and we're doing their back returns for them as well. Because, uh, at Kings Bank, we work with businesses um, who can act as agents or tax representatives across the EU. So we have an extensive network 
of people that we will work with if we need to get somebody registered in another country as well. So we, we sort of provide a full package, really, across the whole of the EU and even outside the EU because, you know, I mean, I've I've recently had dealings with um, businesses needing to register um, for um, GST in Australia, um, and we've sorted that out as well. So really, it, it, it ranges from a business doing almost one pound up to millions of pounds um, that we're dealing with. Because uh, the, the problems are the same, um, and the fundamentals are the same as well. It doesn't matter how big or how small the, uh, the business is. Um, so this collaboration with CCL and yourself, Sean, um, Stu, how, how can the listeners um, get in contact with Kings of Act? We've set up a, um, a link on the CCL LHR website to go direct there to the uh, to Kings Vat. But then Kings Vat also have their own uh, website. I think it says kingsvat.co.uk. Oh, fantastic! So, uh, gentlemen, that was uh, really insightful. Some uh, major changes seem to be coming ahead, um, and obviously, to the listeners, you kind of know now where to to, to reach out to and, and and get some advice and and support with the with the VAT changes. Um, thanks very much, Stu, um, from CCL. I uh, really appreciate your time. Um, Sean, thank you very much. Really uh, insightful um, uh, discussion here. So thanks very much, guys, and uh, thanks for your time. No problem at all. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Well, there certainly was a lot of information in the show. You may have to listen to it a few times in order to get every nugget of information you need. Alternatively, you could visit the CCL website at cclhr.com. Look for the Overseas VAT registration page and we'll be more than happy to answer any questions you have pertaining to Overseas VAT registration. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show and found it useful. Until the next one. Take care and remember, CCL are much more than packages.